0: Welcome to the Power of Prevention podcast. In each podcast, we will go deeper into the topic of prevention in New Hampshire. We'll share our best interviews with you of people who are working tirelessly for their professions, their families, and their communities to stop something unwanted from happening, in this case, substance misuse. This is a podcast for people who are looking for solutions and want to make New Hampshire a better place where we all have the opportunity to live, learn, and thrive. We are hoping to make your lives a little better with these inspirational stories about substance misuse prevention. We know the emotional well-being of young children is directly related to the health and wellness of their caregivers. When parents and caregivers have support and resources and coping skills, they can then show their children that they care, they can communicate their expectations and stay connected even through challenging times. We are excited today to have Susan McKeown join us and she's going to talk about what it takes to create strong and resilient families. Her parenting and relationship advice isn't what we would expect to hear because she wants you to know that the caring needs to start with yourself. Parents need to care for themselves first so that they can then take care of their families. Currently, Susan runs a weekly support group for family members that are struggling with substance misuse or the death of their child or loved one. And for over 20 years, she's offered guidance, grace, and space to grieve. She's the author of two books on the subject, Beyond the First Dance and Beyond the Tango, a guide to a thriving marriage while juggling careers, kids, and chaos. Welcome, Susan. We are so pleased to chat with you. Thank you for coming to talk with us.
1: Thank you, Kristen. I'm I'm happy to be here to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. I'm excited to get to hear what you have to say, too.
0: So we're going to learn from you how important it is to care for ourselves so that we can care for others. How did you get into this work and where do you draw your
1: passion from? Well, I think that is probably um, something that comes both from personally and professionally. Professionally, I um, worked my career, 41-year career as a pediatric nurse practitioner and unusually in the same job, which... um, was a a real privilege for me. I had the opportunity to work with families over three generations. And so I really saw the impact of adult relationships on the stability of the family. When there are healthy relationships with adults, there was a positive outcome for the children. And likewise, when there were unhealthy relationships in the family, the children suffered. And sometimes, sadly, that has long-term consequences for the child. We talk a lot about trauma in children and that's really where it starts at a very young age and then personally having been married for a long time and having raised four children i certainly see the challenges of parenting and know that it is hard work and requires a lot of commitment and paying attention to yourself your spouse and your family and always remembering really in that order where things happened i look at it as a foundation of spouse and spouse to adults whatever they are the foundation of the family and then they are first and foremost individuals and then they are a couple and they are a family and then they have individual children and sometimes in my work i found that the kind of triangle as i call it i designed it as a hierarchy is often inverted and the child is the one that is getting attention at the expense of the family, mostly of the individual parent and the individuals as a couple.
0: You know, I was thinking about the titles of your book because, you know, you started with a building and a foundation and then went to a triangle. And then your titles are Beyond the First Dance and Beyond the Tango. And you've gone to this kind of other framework of thinking
1: about it. Just wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Well, for what it's worth between you and me, if you can see that triangle at all, can you spouse, spouse on the bottom? That's what I see as the foundation of the family. And you need to take care of yourself as an individual, encourage that with your spouse, and then take time as a couple. And that's the best stability that you're going to be able to give your family and your child. And too often in my work, as I said, I, I saw it inverted. And it was the child that was up to date on their immunizations, their physicals. They had music lessons. They had their sports lessons. They never missed a birthday party, a sleepover, everything for them. And then I would ask the parents, so tell me about you. When was your last physical? And they couldn't remember. And when was the last time that you went on a date alone together without children? And one time I actually had a couple say, oh, I I guess it was eight years ago, right, honey? We haven't been out since we had the children. And they think they're doing well for their children, but I would maintain that they're they're missing the foundation of that family and strengthening it.
0: How do you change? You know, how where do people
1: go with that if they're at that place? Well, at first acknowledging that, wow, I never thought of that before, that I am putting a lot of energy. I've got my job and I've got my children. And no, I guess I guess we haven't had much time to actually connect. And thinking that, you know, that's okay, we'll get to it later. Well, later later gets put off a lot. There's a, a thing out there, it's a very real thing, and it's called gray divorce. And it is referring to couples who are married 25 to 30 years who are calling it quits. And one could say, wow, after all these years, well, when you start scratching at it and look at the situation, it's that they have put themselves off in the back burner, they have put their marriage on the back burner and the focus has been on on children and then the children are grown and gone and they look at each other and who who are you? We haven't had that much time. We really haven't had that much fun and you know, I have 20 years left and and um, I, I don't I don't want to spend it like this. And it, it's the largest segment of the population that is divorcing. And it requires prevention, and that's what we're here to talk about today, is prevention. And all my work is directed towards that, and it's why I wrote the two books. The first one is geared towards couples who are in a serious relationship, contemplating marriage, and what they should be thinking about before making that commitment. And then the second book is, you've made the commitment, now you're, you're into it with your partner, your children, and the kids' careers in chaos, and how are you juggling all that? And how are you going to make it last?
0: Parents and caregivers protect the emotional health and well-being of their children by establishing routines and expectations. Our guest shares how we can make small changes in our daily lives to build strong and healthy connections with our family members.
1: Absolutely, and this doesn't require more time. It really requires more thinking and prioritizing. And one of us, we we all feel we're very short on time, and we are. We're very busy. And so when I talk about things, I, I like to keep them practical in the fact that, you know, integrate them into the things that you're already doing. We pretty much all eat dinner every night. The question is, are we eating dinner together? Or are we eating dinner separately on the run? You know, when I come home, and then we got to take the kids to the sporting event, and this get this one over to a music lesson, and and so, yeah, everybody's fed its own way, some time, a lot of it in the car. Well, eating is something that happens. Can you designate 20 minutes to a mealtime consistently? And it doesn't have to happen at the same time. I certainly know raising four children, we did not set the clock by 5.30 was dinner. It could be 5.30, 6 o'clock, 7.30, but It happened. And you knew it was going to happen, that this is a time where you're going to sit down together. You're not going to have cell phones. You're not going to answer the telephone in the house. You're not going to listen to any podcast or anything else. You're going to actually just sit there and chat about your day. And as my grandchildren have come to label it, the thorns and the roses, which is, is, I think, great. It's the highs and the lows. What was good about your day today? What really was hard about your day today? And each gets to talk. And it's good for children also to hear about their parents because they kind of think that, well, we're above all this other stuff. And in fact, we do have stress. You know, the boss is on your case about a project. You know, you're having a difficult time with a colleague. There are things that go on. It can be great teaching moments for adults to share with their children. And likewise, certainly for parents to hear from their kids about the bully at school, the recess that didn't go well, the math quiz that he's failed. These things are important to find out ahead of time. And this is what's on kids' minds today. And if we don't have that time to connect with them and hear that, we're missing a huge, huge segment. And there's a, there's a big talk sometimes about quality versus quantity. And while quality time is all nice, uh, you can't make up for quantity sometimes. You got to have the time to connect. You got to have that dinner time. You have to have that bedtime, particularly with young children. But I find even with older kids to know that, you know, when you're ready to settle in, we can sit down and just kind of take a deep breath and talk about the day and how it's been. And that's where you can find out things, you know, with your kids. And it's kids that don't have that sense of belonging and connection that have the greatest difficulty. And we've certainly seen in the last three years, anxiety, depression, just a feeling of isolation and disconnection. And, you know, we we talk a lot about substances, you know, we're talking about prevention. And the opposite of addiction is connection. And that's what a lot of people are missing is connection. And I really think it starts right at home. You've
0: alluded to the past three years. What what happens when a family is going through a resources issue or a health issue? You know, things have taken this left-hand turn and, and the stress has just
1: skyrocketed. There certainly has been that. And I think connecting, again, with outside resources, hopefully you have a health care provider and we should be using that health care provider. You know, we think of that, again, if you have children, I'll bet they've been seeing. It's are the adults taking the time to be seeing themselves or are they dealing with stress? You know, I'm always amazed that we have certain people built into our life for our own support systems.
0: And the, my example
1: is, if you have a car, I'll bet you have a car mechanic. And that if your car's skipping today, I bet you know just who to call and have a look at it. Likewise, with a, a leaky pipe, an electrical outlet that's not working, you've got a plumber, an electrician, You've got these people in your life. Then you say to people who you talk to when you have an ongoing stress that's just not getting better, who's your counselor? And a lot of adults will look at you like, well, I, I don't I don't have a counselor. Well, that should be a person that's part of your team. Okay. Do you have to see them all the time? No, you don't. But if you're plugged into somebody that you have a good relationship with, trust a good rapport, their professional expertise can be invaluable to you in getting through difficult times. Now, I'm certainly aware that right now is is a challenge connecting with mental health that's really been tested these last few years. And I would say, well, I'm just somebody that plods forward anyway. Look in the back of your health insurance card. And if you have Medicaid, you still have it. You have private insurance on the back. There's a place for behavioral health And there are resources in there. And I think you need to think about, do you want to talk to a man or a woman? Look at the geography. Is it close to you? Go through. And remember that you are the consumer here, okay? So that you get a name of somebody you think this might look good. Call and say, I'd like to know if I could have a brief appointment to just meet you and have you meet me and see if that could be a possible connection for us for for ongoing counseling. And usually they will give you that and you go in and you just, you don't have to tell your entire life story, every issue on the plate, but if you can get a sense of the, you and know, this is what I'm, I'm kind of dealing with right now, is this something that you're comfortable dealing with and and get a sense, I like this person, is easy to talk to, I felt that he was listening to me, great, move ahead and set a full-time appointment with them. And if you don't feel that sense, your gut is telling you, I don't think this is a good connection, move on to another one on your list of providers. You are the consumer, all right? And that relationship can be absolutely wonderful. And then you set up a time and they get to know you. And when you go back each time, it's a kind of what's going on now? What's on my plate? What's on my agenda that I need to talk about? And you can really get into things. And I I call them a professional friend. Okay, It's somebody that knows you, but they've got the expertise and the objectivity to not give you answers, but help you process an issue and really come out with some answers that can work for you. And I, I find it very valuable, and I'm a big, big proponent of having a counselor as part of your team in your support system.
0: That's great advice. What can we do as a community to support families? that are going through this and, and the well-being of children? You know, what, what can we what can we individual put in our community?
1: Well, every child goes to school and they're going to school earlier, three for preschools and kindergarten and then grade school and junior high and, and high school and certainly build in systems within those schools. We have um, student assistance program people hugely important. And every once in a while, you'll hear the cuts are happening. Oh, let's get rid of the SAPs, as we call them. Well, for goodness sakes, that's not who you want to get rid of. That's a support system. You want to integrate those into our schools, integration of behavioral health. And that's happening here. So we are making progress in some areas. And that's really important. As workplaces go, we are making some strides in having work-friendly workplaces where people can talk about stress and mental health issues if they're having substance issues without the threat of losing their job. They can talk to somebody in the human resource department or their supervisor without feeling that they're going to get let go because of it. And the pandemic has certainly brought to light that that one out of five people have some mental health issues and substance issues have soared during this pandemic. So this is just not unusual. You feel like you're alone when you're experiencing depression or having increased substance use. You're not alone. You're not alone. And the more we can talk about it, the better able workplaces and the communities are going to be able to deal with it.
0: So 20 years of being there to support and provide a space for people that are breathing, dealing with substance um, misuse or substance use disorder, and challenges in relationships and families, what are some lessons learned, because you've learned a lot, that can help people feel, just help them maybe feel less lonely as they struggle?
1: Yes. You know, our, I often say that our, our group, or the, or the um, FASTER Family Support Group, FASTER is an acronym for Families Advocating Substance Treatment, Education, and Recovery. That's what the, the word stands for. And so we've met weekly 20 years at Waypoint, formerly Child and Family Services, in Manchester every Tuesday evening. And in fact, the room should be bursting at the seams, right? (laughs) Because we know how prevalent substance issues are for families. And it's not. We've had a continual stream over the, the 20 years, and we've seen some remarkable things happen. So what have we seen? Well, I will tell you that When the new person comes in, and and I will point out that it's often the mother that comes in, okay? Occasionally it is a couple, but more often it's a mother, and sometimes the father will join later. Mothers are mother bears, and by the time they come in, that's usually, sadly, out of desperation. Now, that's not what we call prevention. I'd like to get them early. I would like parents there when their kids are 14, 15, smoking pot stealing a beer, and they're kind of thinking, oh, I don't like this. But oftentimes parents don't want to look at it as a potential problem and say, well, it's a phase, all kids do this, they'll get over it, she'll outgrow it. Don't count on that. Come, come early, come early, and learn some prevention techniques and how to intervene early. So oftentimes we are getting parents that are the parents of 22, 25, 25, 30, 35, 45-year-old kids, in quotes, okay? And this is because they finally gotten to the point, now they're desperate. I'm afraid my child is going to die. That's why I'm here. Well, we in prevention want it way, way before that. So when they come in, because they're there out of desperation, and, and I have great respect for people that walk in the door because they are feeling that, What am I doing walking into a room full of strangers to tell them how disruptive my house is, my life is, my child is? This is so painful. And I always tell new people, please just relax, sit down. You don't have to say anything. We have guidelines and principles that we go by and we go around, we get an update so they get to hear from everybody. And then I just ask them, did you want to share something? And if they pass, and really I've had one parent pass in 20 years, Every other parent speaks up because after they hear from other parents, they realize, oh my God, I'm not alone. These people get it. They get it. And they feel comfortable sharing some of the very difficult situations that they're living in. We end the meeting with a very important thing I call the most important part of our meeting. Susan stresses
0: the importance of self-care and the benefit it has on those she loves
1: self-care is not selfish it is an act of love okay now what are you going to do for yourself this week before we meet again next week and for yourself means just that for yourself self-care it means it's not anything to do with your job your spouse your child or your house it's you picking something to do for an hour I also, in 20 years, have never had a new parent be able to answer that the first night. Deer in the headlights, they are just thinking, me? And that's exactly what they say. You mean me? Just just for me? Because they have been so focused on this case. It's their child with substance use or spouse or sibling, by the way. It's for adults who have a loved one. They haven't thought of anything else besides this. And even if substance use isn't the issue, I find overall people are self-care-deprived. They're not thinking of themselves. They mean to, but by the time they get through taking care of the other people in their life, there's really just no time or energy left for themselves. So it really gets them thinking. And I will tell you, some of them have taken up to six months to really answer that question. Some of them catch on pretty fast and say, okay, I'm going to do it. And one might say, I'm going to go for a pedicure. Okay, that's a good beginning. You know, you're carving out an hour for yourself. What I'm hoping that we get to is not just an event like a pedicure, but an integration of wellness in their life so that they say, I'm going to start walking every day. And they're doing that as part of their lifestyle every day. And um, I'm going to meet a friend and go out to a, a movie or something, that they're just doing something alone or with somebody else that they haven't had time to connect to. And this is the beginning. And they, you need to think of the different areas. When we talk about self-care, you need to think of the five areas of your your life, if you will. The physical, emotional, financial, social, and spiritual. Okay? And I, I call those the legs under the table. You've got a problem, doesn't matter what it is. It can be can be self-care-deprived is the problem. Or it can be you have a loved one with substance use. Or you have you know, a challenge in your marriage, whatever it is, you need to get some support here. What are the legs that you're going to stick under your table? And one or two legs is not going to do it. Okay. You need a minimum of three legs. And I suggest those five to really build a stable table. That's going to be hard to destabilize yourself if you're really working in those areas.
0: Oh, that's great advice. It's true. Once one of the legs is gone, if you don't have enough, then you're back where you were before. Well, as you know, the name of this podcast series is The Power of Prevention. We like to end it when we get to ask all our guests the same question, which is, how do you describe prevention or what is your definition of prevention?
1: I think prevention for me is being proactive, okay, of anticipating some what problems might be, and building strengths um, within yourself and helping other people. And looking at it first, as we've talked about, as individuals and then as, you know, a couple and as a family and as a community. So it happens on all those levels. And, you know, I see it, you know, when you describe prevention or the definition of it. I kind of see taking an active role. And I have this personal mantra that is show up, speak up, and cheerlead. And by that, I mean, when there is an issue that you are passionate about, and it it comes up in a community forum, maybe you see it as a, a, a political group getting together to discuss this issue, and it's something that you're passionate about, show up, okay? And when you're there, say something. Don't dominate. Have one or two sentences that address the topic and say it, okay? It puts you out there. And we happen to be very fortunate that we are in a small state. And my my saying about New Hampshire is you show up once, you're involved, you show up twice, you're famous, okay? They remember you. If you speak up and say something, they remember you. And the third part of that was cheerlead. And all I mean by that is connect yourself with the other people that are also passionate about this topic and what they're doing, and support that group, cheerlead that group, work with that group. And so that's to me is prevention in action. That's
0: great. I like to think of it that way. That's a
1: great framework for it.
0: I would like to thank you so much for joining us today, Susan. This, this was Susan McChown. It's been wonderful to speak with Leon. Thank
1: you. Thank you for taking the time, Kristen. Really enjoyed it. And keep up your good work because it's very, very, very important.